The following audio presentation is from Parkwood Baptist Church. The purpose of Parkwood Baptist Church is to glorify God by laboring together for the growth of all believers while going with the gospel to all peoples. More information about Parkwood Baptist Church is available at parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org. Good morning and welcome. I invite you to take a Bible. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you don't have a copy of the scripture with you, there's one under a chair. We're on page 961 uh, in the chair Bible. Also, I want to draw your attention to a connect card in the back of the chair in front of you. If you're a guest with us, we'd love for you to fill out the information on that and drop it in the offering plate later in the service. It's the only way we want you to participate at that moment of the service is just by placing that in the offering plate and letting us know that you're here worshiping with us today, and we certainly are glad that you have come. Today is the culmination of what we call 180 Weekend. It's a weekend where students come together uh, in small groups. They stay in homes of members of our church, and several times throughout the weekend, they come here for times of worship, and then they return to their homes to where they've had small group Bible studies. Uh, it's been a great joy. Over 250 students were a part of it just at Parkwood, and there are multiple churches around the county. This room last night uh, full of young people praising God. It was such a joy to see and to be a part of. And we're praying this morning that God would continue to work and to give lasting fruit. As a result of their theme, Gospel Clarity, I've moved ahead in 1 Corinthians to chapter 15. We'll come back to chapter 12 next week and pick up where we left off. But this morning we're in chapter 15 and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 11. I invite you to stand as I read the Word of God. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, to one untimely born, he appeared to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and by his grace toward me, was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Let's pray. Lord, we ask now that as we take up your word, that you would speak to us the clarity of this message, and that you would empower us to make this message known. Give clear minds and hearts now as we share in Christ's name. Amen. So one of my favorite questions I ask in good old G-Town is, what is the gospel? I cringe when the sentence starts this way. Well, to me, the gospel is, fill in the blank. It usually is whatever it is to them. People have been around the church who kind of sort of know We'll say things like this. Well, the gospel is good news. Well, that's what the word means. Gospel means good news. Some people go a little further and say the gospel is the good news of salvation. Or one simple answer, if you don't know what else to answer around the church, you just say Jesus. 
Or Jesus died for me, or Jesus died for you. Now, other than filling in the blank with whatever you think the gospel is, these things from good news to good news of salvation, Jesus or Jesus died for me, these things are not wrong. They're just incomplete. You, you cannot say those things are the gospel. Uh, the, the, the shirt for 180, the theme's Gospel Clarity 2020. If you look close, it's a takeoff of an eye chart. So I want you to think about an eye chart with me. What's at the very top? E. Big E. All right, so let's think. That, that's, that represents Jesus. Now, you can't say you have 2020 vision unless you can le- read a line way down into the eye chart. Starts with D, E, let's see, I wrote it down. D, E, F, P, O, T, E, C, the deaf podic. Um, so that means you have 20-20 vision as you're seeing clearly. Now, now, now hear me carefully. What 1 Corinthians 15 is showing you is the 2020 line of vision. Here's the clarity. Here's the clarity of the gospel. Here's my main idea today. The scriptures clearly reveal the gospel of Jesus Christ so that it will be proclaimed and believed. Let's give our primary thought to the scriptures clearly reveal the gospel of Jesus Christ. In verse 3, he says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. First importance means that there is nothing more central, there is nothing more important than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I delivered this to you which I received. In other words, Paul's saying, I didn't craft this message. I didn't come up with this on my own. This is not what I think the gospel is. He says, this is what the scriptures have revealed. This is the crucial and urgent message of the gospel. Now, I want you to notice in these verses that, that Christ is the subject of the sentence. Christ died. He was buried. He was raised. He appeared. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture. The word Christ means Messiah. Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the promised one of God, the incarnate Son of God. That means He's fully God and fully man. This one who is fully God and fully man, Jesus Christ, died. Now, he did not simply die. He died, why? For our sins. In accordance with the, what? Notice, plural. Scriptures. Paul's not saying there's a, there's a verse that you can go to in the Bible and say, here's proof Jesus died for your sins. He's saying this is the message of the Bible. This is in accordance with what the Bible is teaching. So let's go all the way back to the beginning. God created heavens and the earth, created man, male and female in his image. 
He placed him in a garden in his perfect relationship with him. And he told him not to eat of the tree and the knowledge of good and evil. They ate. Sin entered the world. And sin entered the world and now it is endemic. We are all sinners. And in that garden, in his message to these sinners, he said that he would crush the head of Satan. From the very beginning of when sin enters, God is promising, even though it says the serpent would wound his heel, that the Messiah was going to crush his head. You go a few pages later and you you see things becoming even clearer. You've got Abraham who takes his son, his only son, Isaac, up to offer him as a sacrifice as God commanded. At the last second, God provides a ram in his place and the ram is sacrificed. You go over into Exodus, the way that God's people are protected when God brings judgment on on, on Egypt is the Passover lamb is slain and the blood is placed over the door of everyone's home and the the death angel passes over. You turn to Leviticus. You ever read Leviticus and go, listen, brothers and sisters, Leviticus is all about the sacrificial system. Leviticus is pointing you forward to the sacrifice. That sin has to be dealt with. It is the promise throughout the prophets most clearly seen in Isaiah 53. The Bible is pointing us to the one who will suffer for the sins of his people. And the way he does this is that Christ, the sinless one, bears our sin in our place. Exchange his righteousness, exchange to us as he takes our sin upon himself. He took what he did not deserve to give us what we do not deserve and what we could never earn. Turn a few pages back to your left to Romans 3. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. It's that same argument. The scriptures are pointing you here. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So how many of us are sinful? All of us. You say, I'm I'm, I'm a pretty good person. You're not good enough. The Bible says our goodness is as filthy rags, which is a very alarming image in the Bible that I'm not even going to fully explain right now. That we never are good enough. Even our best righteous act is sin before a holy God because it comes short of his glory. We are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation. I'll explain that word in a minute. By his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just. So did your sin have to be dealt with? Yes. When it says God passed over, it doesn't mean he ignored it. 
It had to be dealt with. The justice of God for the sinfulness of humanity had to be dealt with, and it was dealt with on the cross. That's why the earth became dark, and Christ then took the wrath of God until he uttered the words, it is finished. That means the justice of God was satisfied so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So Christ took what we deserved on the cross and in exchange we get what we do not deserve, the justification for our sins from Christ. We are declared righteous when we trust in Jesus Christ. Now, after bearing the wrath of God, Jesus died. He said it is finished. He bowed his head. He breathed his last. And then Paul records it this way. He was buried. Buried. I was watching a movie recently where a man walked up to a casket, took out a pen, and straight pen, and stuck it in the hand of the guy in the casket to see if he was dead. Here's how you know somebody's dead. They stuck a spear in his side. Blood and water flowed. And to fully prove he was dead, they put him in a grave. He was buried. Fully God, fully man, dead. But because he was fully God and fully man, he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scripture. And he appeared to Cephas, the 12, and more than 500 at one time. Most of them are still alive at the writing of Corinthians, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James and to all the apostles. And last of all, it's the one untimely born, born. He appeared also to me, that is Paul. So just as the burial verified that Christ was dead, the appearances of Christ demonstrated that he was risen from the dead. Now the question is, why was he risen? Why, was, why the resurrection? It is in accordance with the scripture. It is the message of the Bible. The message that points to the death of Christ for our sins also points to the resurrection of Christ that he would live again. Paul or Peter sums this up in the sermon from Pentecost Quoting from Psalm 16, For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. That Christ would rise. So the God asked the question, why is the resurrection essential? Why did Jesus need to rise from the grave? Now turn to Romans 4. Let me help you in understanding Romans. Romans is an explanation of the gospel. It, it, it is the elongated explanation. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 is the clarity of the gospel in a clear, succinct explanation. Romans is an elongated explanation of what is said in 1 Corinthians 15. So in chapter 4, verse 23, he says, But the words that was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but also for ours. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised Jesus from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses or sin. 
Now let's go back to that word I told you I'd come back to in a moment. Propitiation. It's a Bible word. It's unique to the scripture. That word means the perfect, acceptable sacrifice bearing the wrath of God. That Christ is the perfect sacrifice, the only one who could bear God's wrath. As a result, he took what we deserve for our trespasses. Then it says, he was raised for our justification. And that's another big word, which means that our sins are forgiven and his righteousness, not our own, is credited to us. That we are declared righteous in God's sight. So here's what the Bible's saying. Without the cross and the resurrection, there is no justification. We are not forgiven without the resurrection. We are, we are not made righteous in the sight of God. So here's the question then. How then is the redeeming work of Christ through the cross and the resurrection applied to me? Chapter 5, verse 1. It's unfortunate there are numbers separating this. Therefore, because, because he was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That means we, as sinners, through Christ and Christ alone, now, right now, have peace with God. We will have peace with God through the rest of our life. And here's what's crucial. We will have peace with God for all of eternity. We no longer fall short of the glory of God. Now, why does the Bible reveal this gospel? Why is it here? Is it some little hidden thing down there that only a few find? Why is it here? The scriptures clearly reveal the gospel of Jesus Christ so that it will be proclaimed. So that it is going to be made known. He says in verse 9, back in chapter 15, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Now you get this. Paul saying, I am not worthy to be a Christian, and I'm certainly not worthy to be an apostle, which I don't have time to define for you right now, because I persecuted the church of God. Now, you guys got to get an image of this in your mind. This is not possible now, but this would have been like Osama bin Laden coming to faith in Christ and becoming an evangelist. Paul was a terrorist. He hated Christians. When he came to faith, when Christ met him on the road to Damascus, he was on his way to Damascus to rid it of Christianity. And God saved him. He said, I, I don't deserve this. I hated the church. I hated Christ. I persecuted him. And God saved him. And then he says this, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. Now I collapse when I hear somebody use this phrase, I am what I am, as an excuse to continue in sin and claim to be a Christian. 
as an excuse to continue in some form of weakness. That is not what the Bible means here. I am what I am. Get over it. It means that I am something completely different now because of the grace of God. And God's grace is not in vain. The undeserved favor of God, His grace, results in a changed life with a changed purpose. So you've got a man who hates Christians and hates Christianity who is utterly and radically changed inside and out that Christ becomes his all in all. And it compels him to do, end of verse 11, so we preach and you believed. It compels him to proclaim. Now let's turn to Romans 10, verse 14. Romans 10, 14. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? They will not. How are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? They will not. How are they to hear without someone preaching? They will not. How are they to preach unless they are sent? They are. Every believer is sent, mandated by Christ in the Great Commission. So as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. But not of all have obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from what? Hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Now, I'm going to press you for a few moments, and we're going to go from your articulated belief, what you say you believe, to what you actually believe. So do you believe that the person over on some far-flung mountaintop who's never heard the name of Jesus, that if they die this afternoon, they're going to hell? The answer is yes. You say, well, that's not very fair. I trust God. I do too. And I agree with you it's not fair. It's not fair that we sit over here in our safety while people are splitting hell wide open by the millions every day when we have the message of the gospel and we're too afraid to go. It's on us. There is no plan B. It's quiet in here. Because what's, what's happening is, what's getting confronted up inside of you is, do you really believe this? Which what you're really asking is, is there another way for people to be saved? If there is, Jesus is a liar. He is a bold-faced liar because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. So brothers and sisters, is this what we believe? And I, I'm convinced, I am convinced that one of the reasons people are so silent as Christians is they believe there are multiple ways to God. 
Which, if that's what you believe, you really don't believe Christianity and you're in a world of hurt yourself. One of the young people here was sharing with me, they go to a prominent Christian college, that somebody preached something similar to this and half the school erupted in anger. Even young people who grew up on the mission field with their parents. <laughs> listen, listen. If you believe, if you believe that your friends who've never heard of Jesus in this town are going to get saved or they're going to go to heaven without, without hearing the gospel and believing it, and if you believe the people on the far-flung mountaintop are going to go to heaven without hearing about Jesus, you know what? We're better off not to go over there and put a choice in front of them. Let's just leave them alone. But that's not what the Bible teaches. That's what, not what Paul believed. Paul risked his life one time after another. So here's my question. Am I proclaiming the gospel? For I am not ashamed of the gospel, Romans 1.16, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. How do you know you've been transformed by the gospel? Everybody look up here. I'm going to answer this very simply. You are no longer ashamed. That's how you know. You know you have been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ when you are no longer ashamed. That the power of God that saved you now comes through your life and through your lips. I'm going to press this again. All right, out there we have a display. Our church, if you're new today, we've been, we, over the past year we've had this theme we call Who's Your One? And what we've asked is that people who are members of this church would, would, would take someone they know and love in their life who is not a Christian and that they would pray for them that they would become a Christian. So those who have been willing to, to formally pray for somebody daily, regularly, that they would come to faith in Christ, placed a white ping pong ball and a display out there. There are a bunch of white ping pong balls. A lot of people are praying. And what we're praying is that that person is going to become a Christian. Now, when a person becomes a Christian, we, we place these orange ping pong balls in there. I counted them this week. There are 12. Hundreds of these. 12 of these. Let me tell you why there are not more of these. Because there are few of these. Not trying to shame you, brothers and sisters, but these represent people who have shared the gospel with their one. Now, I'm, I'm telling you, you're never going to see this until this. They're not magically going to become a Christian. Now, in spite of you, because God's bigger than you, <laughs> he might send somebody else to them with the gospel. Praise God. But if they live here and you know them, why? Why, if you're praying for their salvation, have you never shared with them? And here's what I've found. Here's what I've found. I've, I've been preaching a long time. Some of you think we Baptist preachers are crazy and about half rabid. And listen, nobody's ever listened to me because I got up in their face and said, I'm going to share the gospel with you, Madison. You ready? Nobody's ever listened to that. But here's what I've found over and over again. Hey, Jake, I'd like to share something with you. Could we have lunch? Would you, would you give me 30 minutes to listen to me? I have rarely ever been turned down. Rarely ever. 
Will you listen to what I have to share with you and prayerfully going into that conversation with compassion and desire of sharing the gospel? Yeah, sometimes it happens off the cuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about asking someone for a hearing and giving them the hearing of the gospel because faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So the scriptures clearly reveal the gospel of Jesus Christ so that it will be proclaimed and so that it will be believed. Now let's go back to verse one and watch what he does here. Now I remind you brothers and sisters, the word can be translated, of the gospel. So one time I was at a conference and this older gentleman, a bunch of young guys, and he came up and he said, hey guys, what's the gospel? And we all, blah, 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 blah. He said, don't you boys know your Bibles? We all, yeah. He said, is 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 not enough for you boys? Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Gentlemen, that's the gospel. I've never forgotten it. Never. When he says of the gospel, he defines what he means. That's what he preached to you. And then he says, which you received. That means what they believed. They believed this gospel. I'm back in Romans now. What does it say, Romans 10 verse 8? The word is near you in your mouth, in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. So the reason it's near is because they've heard it. Because if you confess with your mouth, now here's, here's where it comes to you, that, that, that you hear it, then you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. We're going to see this in just a few minutes. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing riches on all, who call on him. For, for, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, what? Will be saved. This week we got a message from one of the workers. They're asking us for prayer. You can pray for this. This couple who, out of fear for the last eight years now, have had a hard time gathering with believers. Here's why. A few weeks after they came to faith in Christ and trusted the Lord, the man who led them to faith was martyred in their presence, gunned down, shot in the face. Bam! And they've recently began the fellowship of believers again. And they've stated they want to be baptized. Their family and friends here to witness the baptism of some people in just a few minutes. That's who got up, by the way. And we're all going to do it in safety and joy. But when this couple get baptized, it may be the last week of their life. Why are they going to get baptized? Because they believe. And they're going to make that known. Because our faith is a public faith. We confess it with our mouth. We make known the fact 
that we have come to faith in Christ. And it's not just something we do at a point in time. I'm now back to, to, to Romans. I mean, to 1 Corinthians 15. Which you received, you believed, in which you stand. You, you now you take your stand on Christ, the rock. The one who began a good work in you is carrying it to completion by which you are being saved. His salvation is being worked out in your life to where you're becoming more like him. And then he has conditional phrase. If, he says, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you unless you believed in vain. Now I'm going to tell you about a sad moment, young people. This week I got a, a text from an adult. He was saying, hey man, it's 180 weekend. It doesn't live here anymore. I'm praying for you. And I have something in my office. That, that, that group of guys were special for a lot of reasons to me. They broke something in my house and I have the broken relic in my office. They were wild. They all signed it. And I'm, and I'm looking at that text and I walked over there to pray for them again. And I looked at their names and only two of them are walking with Jesus. Fifteen names. Two. If, he says. If. If you hold fast the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Now those of you who think, get all twisted up, that I'm preaching that somebody can lose their salvation. That is not what I'm preaching at all. What the Bible says is those who believe, believe. They don't believed. They believe. They trust Christ. How do you know someone's truly become a Christian? They believe and keep on believing. They hold fast to the word that was preached to them. So I ask you today, am I believing the gospel? Romans chapter 6, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's us. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, he's not waiting for you to move. I'm going to do better. He's not waiting for do better. You know why? You'll never do better. Christ moved first. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So when you use this word saved, what does that mean? I had a conversation this morning with somebody. People think, I, I was saved out of something. That's true. You're saved out of something. That's why some of you have been around church your whole life. You think you really don't need to be saved because you're really not into anything. It's not what you're into. It's what you're bound for. That's what you're saved from. And all who are sinners are going to face the wrath of God. All who deny him. But Christ bore the wrath for those who will believe. Those who will look to him and trust him. They are saved from the wrath of God. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now we are reconciled. We shall be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom 
we have now received reconciliation. That means our past is taken care of. We have been justified. Our future is taken care of. We are justified. In our present, we are reconciled to God. I'm not living in fear of God. I live in reverence of God, but I don't live in fear that God's going to get me. I'm washed in the blood of Christ and all who are in Christ. We are reconciled to God. We have peace with God. And because we have peace with God, we are rejoicing. Verse 11, we also rejoice now. And then we hold our future that much more we shall be saved from the wrath of God. So the question today is, do you believe? This morning, have you, have you seen the gospel clearly? Have you seen more than the E, Jesus? Have you, have you seen the clarity of what God has done, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, that He was buried and He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures? If you see it, then cry to Him today for salvation. I was a middle school kid just like you guys. Here's the difference. I wasn't sitting at a 180. I was the tallest kid sitting on a row with a bunch of children at vacation Bible school. They showed a film strip. You don't even know what that is. And in the film strip, it described what Jesus had done in the, his death and resurrection. And I was undone. I saw clearly sitting there who I was and what Christ had done. And I cried to him, save me. Jesus, save me. And if you will cry to him this day, young or old, Christ will save your soul. So if that is your prayer, young people, I encourage you to tell your small group leader right now when we sing in just a moment. Find somebody who can help you, somebody who, who, who knows what it means to follow Christ. We'll also have others available after the service and even during the service in a moment. If you're an adult here and what, we have, what I've talked about today, if you, if you want to cry to Jesus for salvation, there are going to be pastors to my right or left and we're also available out in the lobby. They all have blue shirts on except me wearing this red t-shirt. You come to us. I'm going to ask this. I'm going to put them together. Young people, this week you have been invested in the gospel clarity. Will you have the courage to go back to school and open your mouth? Adults, will you ask God to give you the courage to get to the green? You're the one giving the red light. He's already given you the green light. Go. Go. Share the hope that is in Christ. Let me pray. Lord, I plead now on behalf of my brothers and sisters for courage. Gospel courage. Courage to profess their faith in Christ. To make it known for the first time. And I pray for courage for those who have known you, for courage to share the gospel with their one and with others that they come into contact who do not know you. You alone save, Lord. I cannot. None of us can save another. 
It is only Christ who saves, but you have called us to proclaim. And today we have proclaimed, we have sung the gospel clearly. I've sought to preach it clearly. Now, Lord, I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit that you would open eyes and that people would believe. And for those who believe, that they would make that faith known. Move among us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this audio presentation from Parkwood Baptist Church, located in Gastonia, North Carolina. Please feel free to share this message with others. For more information about Parkwood Baptist Church, visit parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org.